name is Luke Gradeless, and I have the great honor of being one of the pastors here at Harmony Baptist Church. Um, what a great morning. So glad to have brothers and sisters in the house, Israel. Thank you for letting us be part of all this. It's been a blessing to have you, sir. Um, before we jump into God's Word this morning, let me just remind you of one opportunity we have this week. It is June, so uh, on Tuesday... At 5.30, we'll be having our uh, monthly food bank service day. Uh, so if you can make it out Tuesday night, we go to the San Antonio Food Bank out on 151. Uh, we meet there at 5.30. Uh, we'll be packing up boxes of food and getting those prepared to be distributed to folks. Uh, it's good hard work. It's a ton of fun, and it's a great way to show people uh, that we make a difference in the community. Uh, we do ask if you come, if you've got one of the Harmony shirts, wear those. It's, it's good for us to start conversations and make sure people see it's the love of God that's motivating us to be out there uh, serving in the community. All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up with me. Uh, we are, for the first time in a very long time, not in Exodus. Uh, so visitors, you don't notice, I, I do not listen to the, the rules of sermon series. So we were in Exodus for like 18 sermons. Uh, so everybody's really excited that we're not in Exodus today. Um, I was going to start a new series today on suffering, and, and as I was thinking about how we're going to have a baptism service today, I thought this was a good little introduction, because as you talk about suffering, as Christians, part of the things that we have to understand is we approach suffering in a completely and utterly different way. And what I want to dive in today is baptism actually reveals to us why it is that you and I can approach these things with a completely different perspective than so many people that are of the world. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up with me. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 3. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 3, starting verses 13 through 17 today. Uh, as always, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the pew in front of you. And if you don't have a Bible at home, that Bible is a gift to you. You take that home, you make that your weapon, you use that, you learn it, you know it. Alright? Matthew chapter 3. I hear a lot of those pages flipping. I'm going to give you guys a second there. In Matthew chapter 3, it says, Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answering him said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Amen. And so as we look at baptism, the first thing I wanted to show us today as we look through it is, is when we partake in baptism, we are doing this as an act of obedience. Amen. That's not holy water. Uh, Ron was back there. He can tell you it's not beautiful back there. It's just normal water. But what's different about it is what it represents. And what that water represents is it represents an act of obedience where we stand and proclaim publicly that we have a new life that is not our own. We have a life that we have submitted to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And just as He, out of obedience, went there to show people He was there to serve His Father, we show people through the act of baptism this life is no longer ours. We are here to serve Him. Amen. 
And brothers and sisters, we've talked about this quite a bit over the last few months, but that is the question of Christianity. Christianity isn't about whether you believe in God or don't believe in God. It's not about whether you think there is good moral philosophy in this book. It's not about whether you've adopted some of these rituals or traditions. What this is about is have you come face to face with the Almighty and in seeing who He is and what He is, fallen upon your knees and said, Father, I serve you. Amen. See, brothers and sisters, what you and I don't get when we approach suffering if we haven't gotten this mentality of obedient servitude is that when we think we are the masters, then what most of us will do in our lives is we will set the direction for ourselves to comfort and ease. And so when you and I are driving our own lives, our focus becomes about how do I make this life easy for me? How do I make this life comfortable for me? And when that becomes the framework of our minds about our own comfort, our own ease, our own material gain, then whenever suffering appears in our lives, we're confused. Whenever suffering appears, we don't see anything positive in that. We only see a setback. We only see circumstances and obstacles that are preventing us from our ultimate goal, which is comfort and ease. But brothers and sisters, when we step back and realize we're not the master, we have submitted ourselves to someone else. We, out of obedience, have fallen before God and said, God, use everything I am and everything I have to build your kingdom. In that moment, what we realize that our life goal and where we're headed isn't about comfort. It's not about ease. It's about God using us to proclaim His power and His love and His majesty in this world. And so what we realize in that moment when we have shifted, where we are no longer driving, this isn't about us, it's about Him, is we now see that suffering often becomes the time of greatest opportunity to be used by God to show others who He is and what He does. See, brothers and sisters, so many of us in this culture when suffering comes upon us, the only thing we desire is, how quickly can I get through this? I mean, be honest, how many of you in your own times of darkness, your prayer has been, Father, please end this storm. Father, please let the darkness pass. Please, Father, stop this from raining down on me. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you to stop praying like that. That storm's not in your life by accident. It's not some weird circumstance of life. It's not chaos or coincidence. It is there out of the divine purposes of God. And if He has put you in the midst of that storm, your prayer should not be for it to end. Your prayer should be, Father, in this moment, how will you use me? Amen. Father, in this moment, how can I be your instrument? that builds the kingdom that you, Lord, are trying to build. Now, brothers and sisters, where we have to be real in this is this is not how all Christians focus and look at life. A great deal of us, especially in this country, have flipped this model. 
We have taught ourselves that it is God who comes into our life to bless us, to increase our gains, to glorify us, to give us everything. He's not here to serve you. God's not your servant. You are His. So stop coming to Him and laying your will out before Him and say, Father, make it happen. And instead, fall upon your knees and go, Lord, you show me your will. And I will work to make it happen in the strength you've given me. And so what I want you guys to see and how I want you to approach things differently is we, because we are behind enemy lines every day of our lives. Because even if we've been Christians and been churched, we have grown up in a world that's told us suffering is of no use. And so many of us in these moments, we are missing the greatest opportunities of our life to be the profound and powerful instruments of God that will show people who He is and why He should be glorified. And so the first thing I want you to see as we talk about baptism is the whole motive for Jesus wasn't the washing of way of sins. It was for Jesus, the Son of God, to publicly proclaim to people, I'm not here to be my master. I'm here to work for Him. Amen. Have we made that call in our own lives? Do we truly, each and every day, wake up and go, Father, these hours you give me aren't mine, they're yours. Father, the things I will do today with these hands are to glorify you, not to build my world. Do we show that obedience in the way that we live and in the way that we act? If we have made that moment where we allow Him to be our Master, I guarantee you, you will find in the moments of suffering, you will find your greatest accomplishments. There's a second reason, though, that we need to be hopeful and that we need to approach suffering in a different way. And it's found in Romans chapter 6. Brother Ron was talking to it earlier, but flip with me there and let's, let's talk about what baptism truly shows and represents to us. Look at Romans chapter 6, 1 through 14. In Romans chapter 6, Paul is writing and he's starting to talk to people about this balance that we have between the grace that God has given us, yet the way that we act and live our lives. And for a lot of us, there's this dynamic tension, right? Because we don't want to become these pharisaical, uh, you know, legalists who make our lives all about the rules and all about the laws and all about the behavior, right? We don't want to just be a people who are always just trying to do the right thing. We want to be a people in a loving relationship with God that pushes us and motivates us to do right. But we don't want to be legalists. At the same time, we've got to be careful, right? Because if you're not one of these folks who's so locked up in the law, there's this tendency to just bask in the grace of God to the point where you're like, well, who cares? I can do whatever I want to do. Whatever sin I do, God forgives me. However big I slip up, however much I fall, whatever God's grace comes into my life and washes it clean. And so in, in, in this text, what Paul is driving to is there's a balance here. <coughs> yes, God's grace will cover all sin. But because of that grace being present in you, and because of the fact that God has come into your life and changed you, you should look different. Amen. You should look very different. 
And so in Romans chapter 6, he starts to talk about the spiritual change that happens first before someone ever goes into that water. About the real truth of, of the spiritual change that Jesus Christ makes in us. He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue to sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into His death? Amen. Now pause there and think about that for a second because a lot of us when we talk about baptism, we focus on the life part. But Paul says first understand before you can be risen anew, you must have been buried in death first. And so when we take someone like we did Israel today and we lower him into that water, what we're saying is that old life, that old life that was mastered by sin, that old life that only knew one outcome when it came face to face with evil, and that was defeat, that old life is dead. That old life has been buried and it's staying underneath that ground. It's over. And brothers and sisters, what I want you to see in that, there is so many of us that when we approach Christ, when we approach God, when we approach the church, we use it like it's an additive. We come to God and we go, God, you know, I'm pretty good. I just got a few gaps. And what I'd like you to do, God, is I'd like you to come in and fill the gaps that I've identified. Right? Help me with my patience. Help me with my anger. Help me with my peace. Right? And, and in that moment, let's be real. When we act like that, who are we acting like? We're acting like the Master. Like we've hired Jesus as some contractor to come in and remodel the parts that we've pointed out and said aren't good. You're not the Master. When you show up to Him, you don't direct where He goes. When we walk into this place and we fall on our knees and we go, God the Father, I want to be your child. God the Father, I want to be your servant. He doesn't just add to you. He knocks everything down and He rebuilds you from the foundation. You are not what you used to be. You are something completely and utterly new. And so to do that, we must die. So I want you to think about that because I love this analogy. And I love it because we understand the realness and the gravity of that statement. How many of us have been at those funerals where even when we know, we know, we will see that brother and sister again. We are sitting there staring at the finality of, I don't get to talk to you again. I don't get to see you again. I don't get to hold your hand again. I don't get to walk with you again. There, there is a difference now. And that weight, it hits us. It hits us hard. It shakes us because we realize even though it's not the end, there is hope out there. We know that this phase, this life we've known, that's done. That's done. We can't go back to that. And that's what Paul is trying to pull out here. That old life that old way of behaving, that old way of thinking, that old way of interacting in this world, it's gone. Yeah. 
You can't go back. It's buried. It's over. Leave it. There's a finality to it that we have to embrace. I think some of us, what we think we're doing is kind of just laying it aside. Right, you know, I'll put it in the closet. I'm just not going to use it every day, but I'll go back to it. That's not what he's talking about. He is talking about a finality where we cannot go back. We are completely and utterly changed to the point of being a brand new creation. And see, brothers and sisters, where this starts to spur hope in us, just think about it. If the death of Jesus Christ, the darkest day in the history of the universe, actually ends up becoming a victory, then what does that say about all the darkness that you and I face? If God can take the darkest day in all of history and turn it into the thing that we praise and that we sing and that we remember with that cross, then why can't He do the same with what you're facing today? Do you think there is anything in your life that you can lay at His feet that are bigger than what He looked at that day? No way. And so in baptism and in suffering, we acknowledge, I am dead to that old life. I am dead to that life that only knew loss. I am dead to that life that only knew what it was like to be a loser. And I am something new. Therefore we have been buried with Him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with Him in the likeness of the death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with Him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Amen. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is to never die again, death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, do you understand what he's saying? So not only did he take the death of Christ on that cross, the darkest day, and make it victory, but what he's saying, brothers and sisters, you've already been resurrected. Because you are one with Christ in His resurrection. See, brothers and sisters, I want you to take this home. I think some of us, we, we have this misconception that when we hit these times of darkness and we hit these times of suffering, like God is sitting there trying to figure it out. Like God's trying to put together the pieces and the plan and, and figure His way through it. And that like He's in the process of setting aside the things that you're going to need to get through it. No. Brothers and sisters, everything you've ever needed to be successful in any moment has already been set aside for you. It is already awaiting you. 
We're not waiting on God to figure it out. God already has the victory in His hand. He already knows exactly how we get through this. And so we have faith, not in a God who's trying to figure out how the pieces come together, but in a faith in a God who knows exactly how this plays out. You will be in that darkness. You will be in that storm for just as many seconds as He needs you to be. Not one longer and not one shorter. He has already found the perfect time, the perfect way, and the perfect way for you out. So don't sit there acting like he's got to figure it out. He has. We are a new creation, and as that new creation, we are his instruments to build his kingdom. And so we stare darkness down in a different way, knowing that this new creation, I don't stand here by myself. Right? In the old life, the scariness was, as most of us, we knew, I'm not good enough. Right? In the old life, when it was just you, when you stood in those dark times, you knew you were in trouble because you knew you. Right? You knew where you were broken. You knew where you were weak. You knew where you would fail. You knew that you didn't have what it took to get through. And that's why you were terrified. We don't stand afraid anymore. Because it isn't me who has to make it through, and it's not you who has to make it through. It is the Spirit of God living in you that will get you through. It is Him that will give you the strength, the power, the love, everything else you need to see it through that storm. You aren't what you once were, you are brand new. And we take hope in that. Brothers and sisters, baptism is that realization that the moment that Jesus Christ came into our life, everything changed. Amen. He didn't make you a better version of you. He made you something completely and utterly new. And because He's done that, I'm not afraid of death because I've already been buried in my death. I'm not afraid of death because I've already been resurrected from that death. And I'm not afraid of any darkness you put in my way because I already know what lives in me will see me through. We take confidence in these moments. And in fact, we take joy in them. Because these are the places where God's light shines the brightest. These are where God shows just how glorious and amazing He is. I'm sure that there were moments in Israel's life and in Israel's family's life where they thought this day wouldn't come. God was sitting there the whole time going, just wait. Just wait. That's the God we serve. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come before You, Lord, we are so blessed to be Your children. Father, may we never forget that our old lives of weakness, of hate, of fear, of submission to sin, Father, they are gone. They are buried. And we can't go back to them. Father, You have raised us in Your Spirit as brand new creations. 
We stand here with power, with love, and with self-discipline that You, God, have provided. Father, I pray that in this moment, that each and every one of us that has submitted to You and has felt the freshness of those baptismal waters, Lord, that we will remember those days. That we remember the joy that was in our hearts, the hope that kept us comfort, the love that overflowed our hearts, Lord. And may we find comfort in those days. And may you stir those fires back up in us, Lord. Father, we thank you for bringing this family together. A family, Lord, that divides each other's pains and shares in each other's joys. Father, only your spirit can have brought the people in this room together. Father, we love you. We submit ourselves to you. You are the master. We are the servants. In your son's name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask for uh, Brother Joe, Brother Ron to come up. We're going to be up here at the front. And if there's just anything on your heart where you need to pray with someone, you feel free to come forward and pray. Uh, Brother James will also be at the back doing the same. And if you don't feel like coming forward, you just have a conversation with your father right where you're at. Let's go to the Lord. Let's lift up our voices in praise. And let's lower our heads in prayer. Maria. Go ahead and stand, please. I've come to know Though my heart and flesh may fail There's an anchor for my soul I can say it is well Jesus has overcome And the grave is over When he calls my name
when he calls my name no more sorrow no more pain i will rise on eagle's wings before my god fall on just where you're at to go to prayer with the Lord. folks. Well, as always, it is such a blessing to be here to worship with you in this house. Uh, a special blessing today with not only a baptism, but our brothers and sisters coming to uh, worship with us today. Always a good reminder the church is much bigger than this building. I'm going to remind you of a couple things. One, you have a spirit of what? Power, love, and self-discipline given to you by your Father, and you have a mission. You go make disciples that love God, love people, and follow Jesus. Y'all have a great week. Israel, I'm going to ask you to come forward so everybody can hug on you and embarrass you. So you guys make sure you come welcome him into the baptism waters and, and, and say congratulations before you leave. We love you, sir. <laughs>